0: Well, we have been in a series uh, for some time called The Wisdom of God, and we're going to continue in that this morning. Let's look at Proverbs 9, verse 10. Proverbs 9, verse 10, one of the scriptures that we uh, use as a basis. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. Verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We spent some time on that. We've, we've covered a number of, number of aspects uh, in these areas, and so we don't have time to recap. But we covered and spent some time that the, on the fact that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In, in, in other words, there is no true wisdom apart from God. Anything that is wise on the earth is rooted in Him, in God's truth, in His wisdom. There is, in other words, there is no wisdom apart from what God has said. Nobody has an alternate wisdom. It works, but it just, you know, God didn't pick up on it and didn't capture it in His Word. That's not true. It it might be a derivative. It might work some of the time. And the reason it works even some of the time is because it's based on God's Word. Of course, His truth is His wisdom. And so if we'll do what God said in His Word, then we're going to be in line with His truth, His light. It will always work. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6, it says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, so there is a wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Verse 13, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches. So there there are ideas that are just man's wisdom. And we covered that some. People people will quote sayings and, and, you know, with a, with a, a tone of reverence for, or something like, this is truth, but it's not truth. It's not based on the word of God. But they'll say, you know, quote a saying, and we went over some of these, but there's many of them. They'll, they'll quote something that has been passed down, and they'll quote it like, this is, this is true, this is wisdom. Everybody knows this, but it's not biblical. Well, if it's not based on the Bible, and it's not in the Bible, then it's not truth. It doesn't matter if people have been passing it down for 3,000 years. It doesn't matter if it's very widespread. If it's not the Word of God, then it's not truth, because there are men's ideas in the earth. Contrasting with God's ideas, God's wisdom. It said, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to, them, to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So there, is, there are spiritual truths, and spiritual, uh, they're spiritually discerned. And you can't just uh, access everything of the Spirit just with your mind. There are truths and realities that are beyond the natural realm. And so you can't pick up on spiritual things just naturally. You can't understand some things. But like it says here, uh, many of these things, it's verse 14, the natural man does not receive the things of, of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Let's look at Ephesians 5, verse 11. So we've covered a number of aspects of these things. We don't have time to to recap, and those messages are available on our website, uh, on our podcast, video, and audio form. Ephesians 5, verse 11, getting into what I believe God would have us to cover this morning. It says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Notice, the truth is light. It said here, all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. The light shows up what is dark. The light shows up what is not true. You know, if you can't see in a room, and you're bumbling around and it's dark, you know, the good thing to do is turn on a light so you can see where you're going, see the details, see what's going on. Well, that's the light of God's Word does that for the things of this realm. Things may seem right. Things may seem true. But when the light of God's Word shines, we can actually see, clearly see what is true and what's not. Verse 14, therefore, he says, Awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Verse 17, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let's go back to verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So how are we walking? We can walk as a fool. We can walk as w- what is really, truly wise. What does it say, the next part of it, verse 16? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. In uh, the Amplified, uh, Ephesians 5, verse 15 says, Amplified Classic, Look carefully, then, how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately not as the unwise and witless, but as wise. Talking about true wisdom, godly wisdom. Sensible, intelligent people making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Let's read that one again. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Live purposefully, and worthily, and accurately, not as unwise. Well, if you were unwise, you wouldn't be doing what it just said. You're not walking purposefully, worthily, and accurately, according to what? According to the Word of God. People have, believe they have purpose. People believe they have. Uh, they're, they're on the right track, but if it's not based on God's Word and on His plan, Then it's it's actually aimless. It may look very definite. People can give you a five, ten-year plan, but if it's not based on what God would have us do, it's not truly wise. In fact, it's foolish. If you're running a hundred, you know, you can't run a hundred miles an hour, but you're going a hundred miles an hour at something, and it's the wrong direction, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're going a thousand miles an hour. Doesn't matter. How fast you're going, if you're going the wrong way or going without true wisdom, then it's foolishness, you know, to go 100 miles an hour in a car into a brick wall. What's the point? You're going to end up dead in the hospital, crippled, something, but just because you're going fast towards something doesn't mean it's right. have the fastest car all souped up and go straight into a wall and it's all over. Well, there's people all over the world have ideas, have philosophies, uh, have groups, and saying, this is what we're doing, and we're putting all our resources on this. They're going without sleep. They're, they're, they're taking all their ability and focusing it, and yet, at the end, going nowhere. What determines whether we're going somewhere or not? If we're listening. To the Almighty, if we're doing what He says to do, and to having true wisdom. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people. Not talking about sensible and intelligent based on natural standards. You can have a very high cue, but be completely foolish if you don't know God. Not talking about sensible and intelligent based on some test. Again, you can harness all that intellect going in the wrong direction and deny God. That's the most foolish thing anybody could ever do. Verse 16, making the most of the time. And this is what some of what we're going to focus on today. Making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Let's look at this in a couple other translations. Uh, verse, verse 16 in the Amplified says, Making the very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence. Just, just the way it says that there, with making the most or taking advantage of each opportunity means they're numbered. Now, it doesn't mean God's, you know, you reach a certain point and he's just taking you out of here. It just means you're not going to be here forever. Each opportunity means, they're not, it, it seems like it begins to be like water to us, you know, just the seconds and the minutes that go by, but, the, but there's only so many. I'm not saying there's a specific time for everybody to go, it means you will go at some point. We, we, we do only have so many, in other words, 300 years from now, if Jesus doesn't come back, not a one of us is going to be here. So they're numbered. They don't seem like they're numbered Sometime, you know. You, you, you bump into certain people over and over, and you can just take it for granted, and suddenly they're not in your life anymore. I don't say, I mean they died. Maybe you moved on. Somebody you worked with every day, saw them, and then you don't. They're numbered. People, you know, relationships that we have on earth, they change over time. You know, children grow up. People transition to different stations in life, and certain uh, seasons of life, they, they only have a, their season. You know, just like, hey, we're into fall now. Not going to last forever. Those those trees are not going to have the beautiful leaves like they do very long. Pretty soon they're going to look barren and brown. It's only a little bit of time where it looks like it does now. And every day, you just watch outside. I was looking out my back uh, window just the other day and just saw just as I was looking, there was just leaves. There's slowly just a few of them were coming down, but that's how it happens. You don't even really see them coming down, but it's transitioning even right now out there. Leaves are falling. It doesn't just happen overnight that they become empty. Well, there's, there's only so many leaves on each tree and each time one of them falls, it's going closer to be having no leaves. But you don't see it. You look at it. and You may drive down the, the street. I know we we've, there's certain trees just going down toward our house that every year, they're just beautiful. Just fire. Certain ones that are just, have all the colors and just beautiful. Every year they look like that. But they only have so many leaves on them. And yet, each time a leaf falls, it's getting closer to where it's going to reset. Go into winter, cycle. But it's numbered. Our days, our seconds, our minutes are like that. It seems like, I mean, because you count up what? There's like 86,000 seconds, is that what it is, in a day? You know, sometimes you're bringing something up and, you, you know, you think, think about it and you try to, you're, you're preaching, you're not using really, you know, tapping into your mind and then you say something, you're like, Double check that because I don't know because you're not, you're not hooked up with your, your head. But it's a lot of seconds. I believe it's 86,000. It's 60 times 60 times 24. Anyway, they're numbered. That seems like you're in the thousands. 86, okay, thank you. Just put my mind at ease there. They, they checked it. You're going through the day, 80, that seems like a lot. It seems like, ah, uh, but they're numbered. And then you start looking at a week. I mean, I'm not going to do the math there, or, or a year, how many, how many seconds that is. But they're numbered. I mean, how many of you know? You remember last fall. Is a year ago. But in some ways, I mean, lot's happened last year, but in some ways, you can remember where you were last fall, and we're here. We're here. It's, it, there was, it didn't just happen. There were seconds and opportunities and people you saw here, talk to them, text them here, here, and then boom, a year's gone. There's opportunity. It, may, it can seem like, oh, it's just, it's just an infinite amount of time. There's not an infinite amount of time. Every opportunity is precious. Now, we don't go to the other extreme and be nervous and like, oh, I might not. there's is, this is only so many. There's only, you know, three million of these left. No, we don't want to do that. But we want to be conscious of the fact, like the Word says, we need to take advantage of each opportunity and use it with wisdom. What's wisdom in this context? Knowing what the reality of the situation is. We only have so much time. And how do we use it? How do we put it? How do we leverage it? It says, using or taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. In the Passion Translation, it's a paraphrase, but this, this uh, says this pretty well here. Verse 16, so be very careful how you live, not being like those with no understanding. Just talking about no understanding in general it doesn't mean people have no understanding about anything. No, no understanding maybe about the true nature of things. What would be the true nature? God's word, who he is, what he says, what he says about time. Knowing we're not infinite. We're gonna live forever, but we don't have infinite resources here. And the most precious commodity we have is time. Not money. If you had infinite time you'd have you can have infinite money. You can spread out, you know. Do whatever you need to do. If you didn't just have 24 hours, but before tomorrow you had 1,000 hours, you could do more. Time is your most precious possession. Be very careful how you live, not being like those with no understanding, but live honorably with true wisdom. For we are living in evil times. Take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for His purposes. Let's look at Psalm 39, verse 4. You guys are believing with me. We're going to cover what we need to this morning. Because we have a lot here. We need to know what to get out, what to leave alone, but got a lot. I believe we need to cover this morning. Psalm 39, verse 4. It says, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as hand breaths, and my age uh, is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but a vapor, or is but vapor, and then selah. That means think about this. Verse 6, Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will, who will gather them. Let's look at this in the Amplified Classic. It says, Lord, make me to know my end and to appreciate the measure of my days. What it is, let me know and realize how frail I am, how transient is my state stay here. Now, I'm not talking about you're weak, sickly, or anything. It just means people come, people go. We're here for a little while, and then we're gone. And, and the psalmist is saying, help me to understand the, real, the reality of that. Because, you know... There's a lot of people, and especially youth, they think they're invincible. And they think they're going to be here forever. And they think they're going to look like they do at 18, like they are going to be like that forever. They don't understand. You know, like, well, that's never going to happen to me. Well, no, everybody gets older on this earth. Everybody ages, and we only have so much time. When the psalmist is saying, he's not talking about you're going, you know, about through life sickly. It just means you're a man, you're a woman. You may have the Spirit of God living inside of you if you're born again, but your body is still limited, and it's only going to be here for so long. And if we understand that, then we realize, wait a minute, i got to make this count. God, help me to understand what I'm truly supposed to be doing. Help me to understand the true nature when I bump into people. You know, sometimes you bump into somebody and you think "Ah, you'll see them this number of times. It may be the last time you see them. And sometimes, you know, we don't understand uh, the nature of, a, of an interaction. Well, God can help us. We can be led by Him. He can help us to see more clearly. Verse 5, Behold, you have made my days as short as hand breaths. And relative to infinity or eternity, we're just here just a little while, my lifetime is as nothing in your sight. Well, is that true? God has been around forever, and we've been around, what, a few decades? If you put it on a scale, you can't even see your life if you look at eternity. If if this wall is eternity, your life, you can't even see it. It's like, you know, sliver in that corner over there. Truly every man at his best is merely a breath. That's a sobering thought. You know, because men and women... People can get the idea what is going on at any given time. This is the pinnacle. This is, this is wow, this, is, this person's really good until the next person outdoes them in whatever area. And the person, the best we ever are, we're still on this earth. We only have so much time and so much influence. Verse 6, surely every man walks to and fro like a shadow in a pantomime surely for futility and emptiness he is in turmoil each one heaps up riches not knowing who will gather them I'm talking about just natural people we don't have to look like that we don't have to be like that if we understand the real value and the true nature real value of of things and people then we can live differently than that last statement second peter 3 verse 8 statement just on how God sees things. Second Peter three verse eight says, "But beloved, do not forget this one thing that the Lord with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance one day, you know, a thousand years may seem like a long time for us on earth, but for the Lord, that's nothing. And sometimes we think things are taking a long time. Or we're in a certain season for a long time. And to God, it's just a few hours, it maybe just a few minutes. And He sees where you're going. And He sees where things are going. He knows the reality of every situation in the world. And he knows the outcome of everything that's going on right now. And he knows the outcome of every person's influence. And to know him is to know the truth and the reality. And to walk humbly before him. Realize things that, you know, you think, oh, when when is this going to transition? And then it's done. And you never go back to that part. And I think of when we were. I remember um, one of our pastors at when we were at Rama. We would have a Sunday school class, and they broke them up by ages. And um, so they had one that was supposed to be 30, ages, thirty to forty, marrieds. The thing is, people got to know people, and so they just didn't move on when they hit forty-one or forty-two. So it's kind of like that that one just kept growing. Because people would get to 41, but they stay with all their friends, and they give you 42, 43, 44. They stay with all their friends, and the people are coming in on the front, and they kind of just stay, so it just grew. But anyway, he would, he would talk about family things almost every time. It was before service, and then they would have the main service. I just remember him up there um, one time talking about, you know, and his kids at that point were in their late teens, early 20s. He was like, I remember when our kids were in diapers, and you're like, is this ever going to end? Times. And he goes, that was years ago. And then we were at that stage. I mean, when we went to Rhema, we had just Brianna. And she, she turned two that first August. And Andrew was born that first August. And when we left, they were four and two. So we were in that stage. Well, they don't have diapers anymore. That's been years. Andrew hasn't worn a diaper for a long time. And, and our youngest, Julia, she's 11. So that's been, we've been... We've been out of that, but at that point, <laughs> at that point, we were in that mode. But that's in that's in a rearview mirror. Been for, for a while. Well, times are like that. We may think, oh, what what when you know, how long till I get to that next stage? But then the time that you're in this current stage, they're numbered, and it you know, God, if you're looking at it from God's perspective, He's like, oh, just just you know, a minute, two minutes, three minutes. It, few minutes, it's, and you're going to be gone, and you're not going to go back. So, use the part, or the, the time that you're there. Psalms 90, verse 1 says a uh, similar sentiment. Verse 1 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of men. Verse 4, For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like asleep in the morning. They are like grass which grows up. Talking about people. In the morning it flourishes and grows up. In the evening it is cut down and withers. Just talking about, the again, the shortness of our existence versus Forever. He said, it says a thousand years is like yesterday for God. He doesn't see like we see. He doesn't see. He understands far beyond what we know. If you spend the rest of your life just trying to gain knowledge, you know it so well now. It's far beyond anything that you can pack into your brain now what is known to men. So what do you learn? What do you put your focus on? Where do you put your time? The the only way you're gonna truly uh, make that count is if you're looking to the Lord, because He knows what part you need to know. He knows what you need to focus on. You may think, well I have all this time to learn this. No, you may only have a little bit to learn this. So what do you learn? Time's precious. Opportunities are precious. What do we focus on? Only he can show us. You can spend, you know, four years of your life studying something and realize you get your first job and realize, I didn't want to do this. People do it all the time. Look good. In class, they get out and go, what am I, doing? I don't want to do this for a living? <laughs> and they stop and go back and get a different degree or, or change or decide, they're, I'm not doing this. I'm going to go start my own business or whatever. Well, God could save us. I mean, there's experience. You're going to learn some things in life, of course. But the more we look to him, he can save us. He knows. He knows us better than we know ourselves. So he knows where we really need to go, what we need to do. Because he knows, look, you only got so much time. Here's where you're ultimately going to end up. And so he knows what you need, don't need. It's like if you're going on a trip. You don't need everything in your house for every trip. Depends on the trip. Sometimes it's tempting to bring more than you need. Anybody ever been there? When you're going overseas, I was going to Europe a few years ago and I didn't want to check any baggage because that's the worst thing. I mean, if you're on a business trip and it gets lost and I'm only going to be there for a week, so I'm, I'm packing everything I need into, you know, just to carry on. And I hadn't been to this place or whatever, you don't know exactly what you're going to need. So you try to pack as efficiently as you can. You're rolling stuff up and using all these tips and tricks to try to get everything in there. Well, anything you bring that you don't really need, it's a waste. If you didn't use it, there's a point. You just brought it however many thousands of miles and then brought it back. Well, anything we're going to pick up, again, we don't need to be legalistic about this, but anything we're going to pick up on this earth or we're going to spend our time on, at the end of the day, if we didn't use it, if it's not going to where God has for us, it's a waste, ultimately. Like I said, don't get legalistic about it. Drive yourself nuts if you get legalistic about it. You think, oh my gosh, I wasted five minutes here. I'll never get it back. And you waste another 10 minutes just worrying about the five minutes you just wasted or three days. No. But God's way of viewing is different than us. So we need to understand and on purpose live as He would have us to live. On purpose. Romans 13.10, let's look at this. See, it's so tempting. Not even tempting, it's just people do it by default. Just to do the same thing and just go through and just get up and, and do something, and well, I'll take care of that later, take care of that later, take care of that later, and we're just going through like we have infinite days. Well, I'll change that sometime, and then it's three years later, and well, I'm not getting there. Again, this is not to condemn us. We've all done it, we've all been there. This is not condemnation, this is just Awareness, like we read at the beginning. Wake up. Sometimes we need just wait wait, 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 wait. This isn't infinite. Wait, this isn't going to happen forever. Wait, I'm not going to see this person forever. Wait, I don't have this opportunity forever. And just to maybe jar us sometimes and go, wait, what, what does God have for me? And what do I need to be doing today and tomorrow? And what do I need to maybe tweak? Change a little bit. Change the direction so that, you know, in months, I'll be in a different place. Romans 13.10 says, Love does no harm to a neighbor. This is the context for this next verse. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law, and do this knowing, that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Well, that's a true statement. If this was true then, how true is it now? It's high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Somebody said, well, when's Jesus going to come back? Well, we know this. We're closer than we ever have been. We're closer than ever, right now, because time has gone on. Amplified Classic says, besides this, know what a a critical hour this is. And I believe this is true. We are in a different time. Know what a critical hour this is, how it is high time now for you to wake up out of your sleep, rouse to reality. For salvation, final deliverance is nearer to us than when we first believed adhere to trusted and relied on Christ the Messiah. In the New Living Translation, it says, "This is all the more urgent for you for you know how late it is. Time is running out." I believe that. We know it's true. But we just need to look around. This is not normal where the times we're living in anymore. I don't believe we're just going through a, a transitional time. And then everything's going to be normal. I believe we're in a different time now. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Wake up. Come to reality. Realize we need to understand as we're going through life the opportunities, the interactions, the minutes. What are they going toward? And not act like there's an infinite number of them. And not act like, well, I'll just do that later. This is what's going to happen. I'll take care of this. We need to, on purpose, <clears throat> be led. Mm-hmm. On purpose, take advantage. On purpose, uh, analyze in the context of knowing reality from God's perspective. Not just assume. 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 Well, we'll do that next year. See, if you assume, I mean, right now, we've been in this so uncertain time, you know, with the the restrictions and different things, you know, it it became to where, wait, I don't know if I can just plan that. Where you used to be like, yeah, get the tickets. You're like, well, is this going to be open? Is that going to be open? Well, not just in that scenario, but just in general, we need to not assume and go on autopilot, oh, well, I've done this for four years, so I'll just do that then. Don't do that. On purpose, what am I supposed to be doing now? Because do we realize this or not? Time is not going to go on forever. At some point, we're transitioning into the last of the last days. That has to happen sometime. I do believe we're in the last days. We don't know the exact future of everything, but we have to be alert. We have to be aware and not think everything will always go on as it always has. It's just not true. Look at uh, James 4, verse 13. And we're not saying that to be negative. It's just a reality. As children of God, we need to be, like all these scriptures we've read, we have to be aware of the reality of what, we're doing here on the earth, that it's not forever. We know that from the beginning. We're not here forever, but we also know the times change and their seasons. Verse 13, James 4, verse 13, Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. We ought not to say, well, I do, I've done that every year. We'll go do, do that. That's what this is talking about. Well, we'll go do that. We'll, we'll do business here and there. You don't know what it's going to be like. You don't know what it's going to look like. Now, as much as any time, we don't know what it's going to look like. You know what we do know? We, know? we know who God Almighty is. We know that Jesus Christ is Lord. We know that His Spirit is with us and for us and will direct us. So we know we have a foundation. We're not without help. But we need to go to Him and say, Lord, should I? I've done this last six years. Should I do that? And don't get, you know, there's a line. Yes, we believe in faith. The word preaches faith. It says says faith. It says whatever you say, you will have. But it doesn't say apart from the Spirit of God, you just can say anything. It says if you believe. Whatsoever things you will believe what? Whosoever shall say to this mountain, believe in his heart. Whoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. It doesn't just say whatever you say. So if we start saying, oh, well, I'll say it, and it'll just come to pass. No, you have to believe something. Well, what do you believe? What God said. And then you say what he said, and then it'll come to pass. But he has to have said it, through His Word, or through His Spirit. If you're just saying something, and He's not telling you to do it, and we're just, well, this is what we've done, so we'll do it, and I'm declaring it, did He say that? Because if He said it, now you're believing something. And you're saying. But these guys here, you know, well, we're just going to go do this. Well, you can get into where you're boasting. You're, you're saying, well, we'll do this, and we've always done that, but not check in with God. And he actually is saying, we're going over here. Well, we've done this, done this, done this. And he says, we're going over here. You missed that part. Didn't check in with him. You said, we're doing this. And wait, he just turned off. It's easy to be lulled. You guys okay? The world will lull you and just say, yeah, just, it, it's, everything's okay. It's okay. Or, you know, just do this, do that, do that. Whatever everybody's telling you to do. Well, we need to be conscious of what he is saying. Because like it says, your life, it's it's just a vapor. So we shouldn't say, well, next year I'll do that. Okay, what did he say? Is that what you want me to do? And it can play with your head. I mean, right now I think everybody's a little bit more aware. But, you know, if you would have gone back a year ago and there were certain things, well, don't do that. Wait, I've done this, don't do that. Well, you don't. If you were to know what was coming this year, you would know perfectly why you shouldn't do that. But your head could have been like, why? 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 Satan likes that question. He'll push you with that question. He's done it. You just look at scripture. I mean, he came to Jesus. Well, throw yourself off. Angels will catch you. Why not? come to you. Well, why? What, you know, you, you have a leading from God to do something or not to do something. And you believe in that it's God telling you and you don't understand it with your head, but your your heart is hooking up a certain way and Satan will come and go, why are you going to do that? Why are you going to do that? Try to get you in the reason realm. Try to get you to come back with because he knows you can't see anything. You have something in your heart but you can't see anything. You're not doing it based on that. You're doing it. You didn't do it you're not making the decision based on your mental analysis. You're doing it based on what's on your heart. Then he'll come back to you with a question in the mental realm saying, why, trying to get you to reason it out when that's not how you arrived at the decision. And now get you to play in that arena. Well, you don't have an answer. You're going to try to say, well, and see now, we'll see what, what are you doing that for? You don't have, you can't see anything. This is how he talks people out of doing the will of God. Gets you in the mental. And there's another thing. You don't owe anybody an answer for why you're doing what you're doing. Somebody comes up and says, why are you doing that? And try to get you. I'm not saying they have an evil intent, but the enemy will pressure you through people unknowingly to them. Get you to try to get. You maybe are, are okay with yourself, but then somebody tries to get you to play that game, tries to get you to answer in the mental realm, And get it, so then when you walk away from that conversation, you're like, yeah, why am I doing this? Trying to get you out of the context of God and His leading and in your life and get you into the realm where Satan dominates, where men and women operate every day, just in the mental and reasoning realm and what you can see and feel. People, well, we're going to do this. Well, why would you do that? Well, because the market's this and that. We're just going to do that. And underlying, you're saying no. No, we shouldn't do that. No, but you can't explain it because if you looked at the numbers, if you looked at everything, you say, well, you know, there's no reason. But inside you're saying we need to. See, we need to have a greater, a a, a greater outlook, the reality of what's going on, not just what we can can touch because otherwise we're just walking like mere men, like everybody else. may have a guise of understanding, but it's not walking in true wisdom. Luke 13, uh, 12, 13 gives an example of this, this person. Jesus did. Luke 12, verse 13 says, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So he came to Jesus and he's asking Jesus to get involved in a family manner. We've got to deal with this inheritance. Tell him to do what he's supposed to do. Verse 14, but he said to a man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to him, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. So this guy comes up to him, he's like, hey, would you tell my brother to do what's right in this inheritance? Jesus said, I'm not... I'm not judge over you. I'm not supposed to get involved in this. But then he touched on what was motivating this person. And then he gives this example, which is applicable to what we're talking about. Verse 16, then he spoke a parable saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for you, laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. So this guy has a bumper crop, doesn't have enough room for it. So by his logic, he's like, What am I gonna do? Well, I'm gonna take down my barns, and I'm gonna build bigger barns. And I'm gonna store everything in there, and then I'm gonna say, Hey, you've got it made for years. And his logic said, this is what you need to do in this situation. Got a lot of crop. I'll just, you know, work the logistics, get more storage, and I'm set. That's what we're going to do. Verse 19, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20, but God said to him, Fool. Now, this guy wasn't necessarily a fool. He's he's doing well. He's not necessarily a fool just in in doing his business. Otherwise, he he wouldn't have a bumper crop, right? I mean, he's not a fool in every area. He doesn't just, he's not completely incompetent. He's doing very well. So well, he doesn't have room to store everything he's made. But he thinks this will go on forever. He thinks, I got the time, I got the people. I'm just gonna build more stuff. That's the way it is. I've been doing it. I can do it. Look, I'm successful. We'll do it some more. And God says, "Fool, fool in what? Fool! You don't understand what's really going on. You don't understand the true nature of things. You think you're gonna have forever. Your time is up. It's not. It's not. The context is wrong. He's looking like this and thinking this is gonna go on. What he doesn't realize. Stuff's changing. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose whose will these things be which you have provided? He said, Your time's done. Everything that you did, it's over. And then all this stuff that you had, that you were just going to build more barns for, it's going to somebody else. Those seconds... Those minutes that looked like they were forever, they're done for you. Do you think you would have made any different decisions if you could go back? Even write what he's talking about now. is the most important thing when you're going to leave the earth that night to think about building barns for the next several years so you can have stuff all stored up which you'll never use. Is that the most important thing? That's not the most important thing. How would you know what the most important thing is? We've got to go to God and say, God knows what... God is not in the dark about what's going to happen in the future at all. People are very uncertain, but He knows. Everybody's got a different call. Everybody's got a different place to be. But one thing we have in common is, if we're Christians, we go to Him and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Where do you want me to be? What do you want me to be doing? Luke, 20, Luke 9, verse 23. It says, Then he said to him, All Jesus, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life Will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. That doesn't have to mean literally that you lose your life, but whoever will give up his life to do what God would call him to do, he'll actually, or when he tries to save it for his own purposes, like this man we just read about, he'll lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake does what God would have to say, puts his life into what God would have for him to do, is actually the wisest thing anybody could ever do at any given point. It may look like, well, well, but if I do such and such, Lord, you're asking me to do with your head, you're going, yeah, but all this stuff. See, that's trying to save your life for something that is not going to make any difference. What God is saying, you lose, quote unquote, your life for what God is saying, you actually gain it. When you look at that man we just read about with the barns, you don't think his perspective would be different? Wait a minute, I only had so much time. It doesn't say anything about his family. It doesn't say anything about his health. But evidently, this is unexpected. This isn't the end of his life, necessarily. It looks like he's expected to do this for a long time. But he was wrong about the timing. Who knows what, how he got into that position? The Bible doesn't tell us. But we know every day people will go on a track, not looking to the Lord, and think they're saving their life, think they're doing something. But what we want is when we look back and step over into heaven, we look back at what we did, we want to say, I did what I was called to do. Now Jesus, the Bible says, he's gonna, God's going to wipe away every tear. We're not going to dwell on whatever was and whatnot, but there are rewards in heaven. And there is an importance about what we do. And we need to understand that it's not just steady state. You don't put everything on autopilot and just keep doing stuff. We need to check in and make sure what we're doing is the right thing. Let's look at a couple more. Matthew 13, verse 44 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The kingdom of heaven, the things of God, it's like a treasure in the field. Which a man found and hid, and for joy he goes and sells all he has and buys that field because he wants what God, the things of God, saying everything I have is worth this one thing. So he goes and gets that field so he can have that treasure. That's true wisdom. In uh, verse 45, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant selling beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all he had and bought that. Saw this one pearl and said, that's worth everything. Well, that represents the things of God. Does that, does that mean God wants you to take a vow of poverty? No, that's not what it's saying. It says you give everything you have. Like we said, your time is our most precious possession. Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do in this scenario? What would you have me to do in this season? I don't have infinite time. I'm going to put everything else aside to do what you would have me to do. We make that our focus and make that the criteria by which we gauge and make decisions. Let's read, uh, we're just going to close with this passage of Scripture. Let's look at um, Matthew 4, verse 12. Talking about the wisdom of God. being led by him. Verse 12 says, Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulon and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shallow of death, light has dawned. Verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven. Well, we just read given up everything for the kingdom of heaven, given up the, buying the field that contains the treasure, is, re- is uh, likened to the kingdom of heaven. Buying the pearl of great price is likened to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that's when he started preaching and proclaiming in his ministry. And then he started calling his disciples. In uh, the Amplified, verse 17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach and say, repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sins, live your life in a way that provokes repentance. That means change direction, have the understanding where you're going, have the understanding of of the true nature of things. Live your life in a way that proves repentance. Seek God's purpose for your life, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In the Common English Bible, it says, From that time Jesus began to announce, Change your hearts and lives. Here comes the kingdom of heaven. In the CEV, it says, Jesus started preaching, Turn back to God. The kingdom of heaven will soon be here. And then the Ben Campbell Johnson translation, who is a scholar that had this. From the time that John was in prison... Jesus began his ministry saying to all people, Change your attitude and actions because an invasion of the Spirit is imminent. If if you knew, if you knew that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, if you knew, like it says here, that an invasion of the Spirit was imminent, what would our decisions look like? If we knew what we do right now which is true if we knew that the decisions we're making and the time that we're spending in different areas are going to affect eternity would we do anything different not think oh it's just going to keep going this these things are just all take it for granted but we realize the impact the decisions that we have made if we realized the true nature If we saw like God sees, God knows what's coming. We don't know what's coming. We're in a critical time right now, I believe, on the earth. God knows what it holds, and he knows what each individual person he has for each person. And we've been talking about the wisdom of God, the the truth of God's word, the the path that he would have for us, the wisdom to understand past what we see, past what is quote-unquote obvious, but to be led by him. And I believe right now, at the times we're walking through, this is going to become more and more important. As we're walking through times, there is no template. We have the word of God, but there is no like, well, this has worked the last 10 years, let's do that. We need to know what God is telling us. We need to know that each decision is important. We need to know that we need to go to Him and discern what He would have us to do, being led by the Spirit, being led by the Word, step by step into His will for what He has for us. This is not... Business as usual. I think we're so far past that. I preached a message with this scripture, surrounding the scripture last July, I believe it was, somewhere around there. And at that point, I said in that sermon, it seems like the spiritual realm is just vibrating. There seems to be just a change and things coming. How much more now? Where we're walking, what, what, where we are coming into Coming through. We don't, we don't know, but God knows. And His Word tells us what we need to do. His Word tells us that this thing is short. The Word tells us that our, our lives go by quickly. The Word tells us that we need to check in with Him and be sure we're walking the way He would have us to walk. Check in with Him, make decisions based on the Spirit of God. Somebody said this, uh, you know, one of my instructors. He said, when you understand, when you see as God sees, His direction becomes infinitely logical. In other words, when you look at a situation from your perspective, you may say, I don't understand. I don't see why. I don't see how. And God is telling you by His Word and by His Spirit to do certain things, and you could question and say, I don't understand. I don't have enough information. But if you were to see the way God sees, you would see the thing He's telling you to do in every situation is completely logical and right and exactly what you would do if you knew what He knew. But from your perspective, you're going, I don't see why I go there, why I do this. But if you could see from His perspective, you'd go, oh yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. It's obvious. It's obvious. Obvious if you see like He sees it. That's why we need to look to Him. The things are not going to be necessarily obvious to the world. The world is, play, is acting from a different playbook. But God is our Father. His Spirit lives on the inside of us. And we need to look to Him and flow with Him and act like His Word is true. Act like it's the, the things that are in the Word are the reality and not second-guess them by natural things. Amen?